Uh, say hello to everybody, sir. Hello, everybody. All right. So we are the Statsman Live podcast. Uh, on Thursdays, we are hopping in with friends of the podcast. And uh, today we are very lucky to be able to host Oliver Bartlett. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of his career, although those of you who are interested can find very many details out on the Internet. Uh, but is pretty exciting. Uh, a lot of success over the years, a lot of interesting places that you've worked for like really impressive individuals. And to some extent, you know, a bit of a, a cutting edge to some of the things that you've done. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on uh, to the Stats Bomb Live podcast and let's get started. <clears throat> so I, I have one important question that uh, I, I, I was uncertain about because I've, well, when did, when did, we, when did we meet? 2004? 15, 16? 15, I think it was, yes. Yeah. Um, are you English or Australian? <laughs> um, I, I, I like to claim both. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm English purely for the fact that I was uh, born in London and uh, lived there for the first year and a half of my life. And uh, I have family uh, in the UK. I ask because <laughs> Transfer Market has you down as London and my head only knows you as Australian. Yes, but I'd actually uh, quite a part of my uh, growing up, uh, especially the, the young years, uh, I spent in Australia. So uh, both both are true, and I, and I feel uh, just at home in Australia as I do in London every so time I step out of the plane. Would have been more likely to be able to play for the Australian national team, should that have been uh, you know, your interest. But I think you're going to tell us a little bit about how that was never even close to reality. So where did you get started, sir? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I failed that first hurdle just uh, for the for the fact that there's not enough talent. Um, but I was uh, I was very keen uh, in my youth and in in sports and and uh, had a a limited career in in track and field, and uh, took that uh, that interest and that uh, that little bit of uh, knowledge that I had and 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 made a. a a career out of it. I, I um, ended up uh, starting to, to study biology, uh, thinking that that was a, a decent and honest job uh, that I could do, but but finding very quickly that decent and honest job, <laughs> <laughs> finding finding that I uh, had way more interest in in sport in my free time, uh, also to the detriment of of my studies. So I thought I might as well uh, study what what I'm busy with uh, all my time anyway. And uh, ended up uh, applying and, and getting a place at the uh, German uh, uh, sports university in Cologne, um, and and got a sports degree there, and then travelled back to Australia to to work in the sport industry. Um, but finally, that I had very little knowledge of of injuries, so I was able to work with with fit people. Um, <laughs> but as, as soon as they were injured, I, I had very limited knowledge of what was going on and, and how they were returning and, and what was happening whilst they were gone. Okay. So I came around to the idea that maybe I should go and actually have a look at what the people are studying, where they go to. So in the end effect, where they spend most of the time is a physiotherapist. Um, and I, I sat back down um, to, to go through a, a, a physiotherapy degree and, and came out of that with uh, with a lot of new knowledge, that the knowledge that I, would, I did not want to work as a physiotherapist, but that I had now knowledge of what was happening and, and 
going on with with athletes that I I felt very capable of of taking athletes uh, from where they are in physiotherapy and and rehabbing them all the way back to top level sport and and I did that in a in a uh, sports rehab clinic in in Germany. So that's one thing that like people often sort of mistake, you know, it's, it's not just that you're, you're assessing the injury or the fitness or whatever. Like many times you're, you're taking somebody back to some level of fitness, but peak fitness and the people that you would work with are very different animals to some extent, uh, than, than you would see like from normal, uh, you know, the population, like you're working with elite athletes and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, um, in a bit, because like the, the work that you've done with the coaches and the styles of play in particular mean that you know you might have different structure um, around the things that you have to do and and also like super different requirements than you might get uh, just from your average physiotherapist or whatever. So you've been going to school off and on in Germany. Um, you've got uh, sort of this hybrid uh, amount of degree in sport, but physiotherapy, combining it all together into fitness type stuff. Then what happens? I, uh, two things happen and then it's, it's, I, I, uh, got to meet a, 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 very interesting gentleman, a professor in, in physiology, um, who has a, a background in, in, in sport himself. And I, I continue to, to educate myself, uh, by, by learning the, the, the basic physiological, uh, reactions of what does training do? What do certain exercises do? What, what does it actually do on a cell level and knowing what the reactions are and, and what you can influence and what you cannot influence and taking that and building that back up to a, a, a way to be able to approach an athlete at any stage, whether they're injured, whether they're at the beginning, whether they're off season on in, in the middle of the season, if you know, and you understand what the reaction is to the stress that you give them through training, through, through the exercises that you do, you can understand what will happen and when it will happen. And then in what range that will affect them and, and how long it will take to recover, etc. And that was very interesting uh, because I was able to do that and apply it directly uh, in various sports because it was a, a multi-sport uh, area that I was working in. So I had track and field athletes. I had uh, basketball players, volleyball players, judoka. Um, and that was very interesting and, and, and a great, for me, a great sandbox to practice in. And uh, as as is the case in in Germany, there's there's football everywhere. So there were also football players there, and and this was a, a town called Osnabrück. So there was a second division club, uh, as it was at the time. And I got in contact with these players, and this is uh, around 2015-16. It's also parallel the time where uh, Wait, Jürgen five, six, comes right? into the picture. Two thousand five yeah. six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, five, six. Sorry. Yes. Um, and th as I said, this is this is the time where where Jürgen Klinsmann uh, comes into the picture with the German national team, uh, and he is bringing this area, this this view, this focus on on the physical side of of football back into the picture. Something that the Germans had had always been known for. Um, and he was pointing out uh, that that was actually not the case anymore, even though they were uh, proud of, of their physical fitness, they weren't actually the fittest anymore. Um, 
so a, a, a fortunate coach uh, at the time, Mr. Volich, who was, who was the head coach of, of Osnabrück, um, always open for, for new things, uh, jumped on this and, and said, well, if it's good enough for the national team, why don't we do this as well? And, and asked me whether I could do anything to help them. And uh, naive as I was, I, I, I thought that, that that sounds good. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that's fun. I, I, I might as well. <laughs> I might as well. I'll jump into that. And uh, yeah, basically have not left the world of football since then. Okay. So you're working around the German national team, the time that, yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of funny, like the Germans seem to have like phases and cycles. And I guess everything has phases and cycles, but you go yeah. through a period where, you know, you realize that you're no longer among the truly elite in different ways. Then you bring in experts to then, you know, pump you up and then you, you presumably succeed. And then there's always this sort of like tail plateau where things sort of get back into complacency and then like somebody revolutionizes again. So that, that's, that's kind of the Klinsman era around that time. Exactly. It, uh, I, I got, uh, picked up and made contact with uh, what was at the time athletes performance and and had the opportunity to uh, to get in contact uh, with the German national team through them and and uh, after the success of the World Cup uh, that they had was able to join them uh, by uh, becoming one of the uh, the newly installed uh, fitness coaches for the under 21 national team and uh, at the same time players uh, who had been in the in the german national team or who were in the german national team at the time going actually we really like this we feel different we feel better we we have a feeling that that this is actually something for us so the the, the optimal situation of player buy-in and um a, a player from borussia dortmund asking me whether i wouldn't be interested in in Doing rehab with him and which player? And that's just, uh, this was and and I'm I'm, I'm very proud to, to to have made his acquaintance uh, very honoured is Sebastian Kiel, who is now the uh, one of the directors. Yeah, um, and um, he championed me to to to, to come to Dortmund and uh, Michael Zork being uh, somebody smart to 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 take a gamble and say this guy has never been in football uh, doesn't have a big track record but uh, this sounds very good and and our players are interested so let's do this let's let's uh, let's give this a try and and that was uh, 2008 so there's this young that's... kid on on the I, you know, I, I say young kid, I, I guess like in comparison, you know, it's not that young, but so there's this kid <laughs> up here in, in this yellow um, and, and 2008, yeah. you pop, you go to Dortmund at the in, uh, invite of uh, Zork and, you know, you're working with players and, and you've, you've made some rapport with some of the national team players, which is a great start, obviously. And, uh, and who, who did you go to work for there? So the, the this was a, a, a perfect setting because it, it was a, a Dortmund at the time was a new coach, uh, a guy of the name of Jurgen Klopp, um, uh, a young, a young up and coming coach uh, at the time, if you believe it, um, who said, "Let's do this." I, I I like the physical side of football. I I, I want to play an intensive game. 
um, I like the, the the freshness, the the new insight that you're bringing, and and uh, let's work together and 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 give this a try. Um, and I had still had a few things to learn. That is, uh, I had to learn to to work in this in this team setting, um, to to understand that obviously it, it it goes about football and and football comes first. And and I had to integrate myself into this world and still try and apply the knowledge that I had um, and make it work and make it uh, be successful in a, a Bundesliga uh, setting. And and success like definitely occurred here, which is also pretty cool, right? I think <clears throat> I look backwards. Was it something like, um, did Dortmund finish 13th the year before you arrived? Something like that? You and Klopp, obviously. That- that is that is correct. That that um, that's wild. Like that doesn't seem like it should be possible. <laughs> no, um, and uh, for me, it, it it was a very nice setting because obviously the the I was not looking at that. I was not afraid of that. I was not uh, wondering anything about it. I I was uh, uh, fresh and full of energy and and ready to apply everything that I had had learned. Um, in this setting and um, looking back at it now, it, it, it seems to me more impossible than than it, than it maybe actually was at the time for me. Well, German uh, football back then actually was much more varied and you would see like teams move up and down the, the league table much more so than the last couple of years. You know, I mean, even you know, at one point and we'll talk about that in a minute, but like, you know, you guys kind of knocked knocked Bayern off their perch, which they have not been knocked off for a very long time. So the the first two seasons uh, that uh, Dortmund were there, they finished fifth. And then in 2010-11, you finished first. And then you did it again. Yes. And you won the league and cup double. So, like, talk to me a little bit about the process, like how things changed. And, like, you know, that that 10-11 season, which was, you know, a decade ago now, um, <laughs> you know what? What was that like? Because I, yeah, I, I've, I was at Dortmund earlier this year. Magnificent stadium, great atmosphere. I guess, but not this year. Last year, um, to see, uh, I got to see the Inter match, and uh, and that was electric. But uh, so anyway, t- tuck into this time period. Tuck into like you know um, a little bit about the style, because I know that you know you hadn't worked that much outside of the German national team. You've worked some with football, but. The style with with Klopp is is a pretty big deal, and and someone has to enable that on the player side. Yes, it it, it there's a of course always a, a multitude of things that that come together, and and part of it is of course that that the squad uh, was turned around as as one of your uh, areas of expertise of of knowing exactly that certain players fit to certain styles, and and uh, it it was a, a question of putting a new team together and and taking out those that weren't capable or weren't able or weren't willing uh, to to adapt to this uh, and that that goes for the style of football but also for the style of training what i was doing what we were doing together what he wanted to see uh, as a head coach on the field um and the the the, the interesting uh, um, examples of 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 players uh young players uh, I remember that there was a player who who was loaned out and was maybe to be returned, but just to be sold because actually he was too slow, uh, even though he was a good footballer, uh, as they as they were telling me. Um, 
And my naive question was, well, why can't I work with that? Why can't, if, if you let me work with this guy, I'll, I'll show you what I can do, what we can do, how far we can get. Um, and then you, then maybe you should make a decision. And uh, that, that is, that's how naive I was at the time. But, but, I, but that is what I, I really believed and, and still believe that is what you can do uh, with players. Now, as, as most people know, you can't make somebody who's very slow, very fast. But if you look at the player and the position and, and how, what he needs in, in the way of tools to be able to be successful on the field, then there are certain things that you can work with and can improve tremendously. And, and uh, so Nuri Shahin from being somebody who was maybe not ever going to have a career at, at Borussia Dortmund, um, we just sat down and we said, okay, what you need is, is first step acceleration uh, and ability to, to create just that little window, to, that step away from, from your opponent to be able to, to bring your skills into play, like getting an excellent pass downfield. And that's um, like one thing that people also don't quite realize, you know, like footballers come from all over the place and yeah. they haven't always had the best training, whether that's from a tactical perspective or from a coaching perspective or even from a fitness perspective. And especially with young players, if you look at them and you, you say, okay, you know, if we get like another 12 months with this kid and we're able to put him through the right program, you know, we can up his potential um, fitness output and physical output by like 10 to 15%. That actually is the difference between sort of an average player and the elite. And and yeah. that's a huge impact on on guys that these days, you know, cost 50 to 100 million. That's a, And it's an absolute win-win situation for everybody involved. If it, if it works, it's excellent. The, the, the player... Uh, gets to have that career, the, the club gets the profit from it, the, the team gets the profit from uh, from how he can play, and the fans get to get to see more spectacular football. There's, there's no question that, that football is talent-driven, uh, but everything that you can do around this talent to make them physically better uh, will help to make it more interesting and, and, and a better career for everybody involved. So you worked with some pretty special players, I think it's fair to say. Uh, one one guy that scored the the goal that won a World Cup, uh, another one that seems to be basically the best center forward in the world right now. Uh, quite a few other ones that have had amazing careers. Uh, do you have a particular favorite? I know it's it's been a while, so I feel like we might be able to cover this and not get you in trouble. <laughs> It, it. It. I have to say it. I. I. I look back with with fondness at at this team and and great young players uh, with great buy-in into into what we were doing with them and and a um, a, a real keenness to to apply this and and getting positive feedback obviously through being successful and then continuing to 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 try and continue down this line and and improve even more. And uh, it's, it is it is without question that that uh, one of the reasons, uh, for instance, Lewandowski is is the player that he is, is that uh, he was definitely talented. He was uh, physically also very good, but he was not afraid to to work on himself to make himself a better athlete, a better player. And he hasn't stopped. 
Um, he was actually more full featured uh, with you guys at Dortmund in that he could he could play make as well. And yeah. you look you look at his output there, like he's setting up teammates for assists and stuff like that. Now he, he's viewed more as a, a pure goal scorer that can fit into elite sort of possession teams. But back then he did absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah, and it it, it was it definitely something that was was wanted. It it was a uh, it, there was a time where he was not the regular player, um, but the the situation came around and and he took exactly what was uh, asked of him and and made the best of it and and that is what that is definitely what you need uh, to have a successful team so Jurgen Klopp and this is this is probably one of my favorite characterizations in football period there there are two amazing things that kind of came out of this era one is the characterization of that style of football as rock and roll football which I love because it feels correct, and I don't think his current style is quite the same. Obviously, very successful, uh, but it's, you know not quite the same as what they do at Liverpool right now. And the other thing was talking about a little bit about Gagan Preston being the the best playmaker in the world. Um, it takes a particular style and a particular fitness regime to actually enable those players to do that, to play that style of play. Talk to me a little bit about what you had to do and learn to get these players like what are the KPIs you've got to got to work around what are you really trying to develop with these guys and how might that differ from what everybody else does in football every day of the week there, there there's a, a very interesting uh, thing that happened at the time and and uh, something that gave me a a feedback and indication of that I was on the right track and um, the team gets tested by an external uh, company or the university in this case and, and uh, for us the, at Borussia Dortmund at the time it was the uh, uh, physician and, and professor of the university in Saarbrück and also from the German national team at Tim Meyer and um, so we got our regular physical testing done uh, by them and I, I got a, a an email a, a correspondence coming back and and asking me what was i actually doing there because they had seen something in the data which they had not seen in the rest of the bundesliga until that point and that was that the level of fitness that the the, the physical level was so unanimously high that it was that there wasn't high peaks and some players with, with very high uh, peaks and, and some players who were not so fit but that the whole level was so high and um, that was actually something that I had tried to implement uh, with this team uh, and, and for the fact that when you analyze the, the way that Jurgen Klopp wanted to play football at Borussia Dortmund at the time was that every player was able to get physically involved, move up the field, move down the field. And for that, you need to have centre-backs, wingers, all positions at a very high physical level. So that was a, that was actually something that, that we were planning and working towards with the whole team. Um, so, so for a centre back, we were doing quite a bit of running. We were doing quite a few uh, uh, 
acceleration drills. Um, and and that is maybe something not every team, definitely at the time, not every team was doing, but it's definitely something that we were specifically working on and, and was very specific just for the style that he wanted to play. So, so I mean, that style kind of a, a bit like, so Tiki Taka was very much in vogue during this era. And, and part of it's because Bar- Barcelona being possibly the best ever uh, you know, club team at the time. Um, Pep's style was was you know considered to be the thing. You guys are not that style at all. Right? That, that, that style is, is no. not the same thing. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> but I think what happened was like uh, those teams got beaten enough and and soundly enough by often the German teams, including a Bayern team that didn't look that dissimilar to you when um, you know as they came a couple years after you won the the double um yeah. so like it, this is this is the precursor toward the more modern style i think and and you guys were really the ones that seemed to be you know not only uh you know, pioneering it but executing it at the elite level and I, I i always find that like really interesting but so one of the things i wanted to to mention here and the the piece the the little clip that i've got on the screen here for those of you who are um following the the live is uh <clears throat> Basically, something had changed. Injuries mounting for years until only three Dortmund players came through the last campaign at full fitness. And Klopp squad suffered a ton of injuries to different players uh, as they flirted with disaster. Uh, the argument essentially is that Klopp's style of high-energy football places too much demand on players' bodies until they eventually break down. But that didn't happen when you were around. I don't know. You know, causation, correlation, there's some some disconnect there. But clearly, you know, you want to make players as fit as they can be, but there are limits to that. And when you go over those limits, when you stretch those limits, then you end up with injuries. That That is definitely true. And, it, and it's for me, it's difficult to, to, to say what happened or, or, as you said, what 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 are the reasons for, for things to, to happen. And uh, the, 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 because you don't have insight, obviously, into, into what somebody else is doing. It's if, not your fault. It's not, not your there, problem. <laughs> Yeah, um, although I don't, I always uh, my heart bleeds for for, uh, for for players that I have worked with who who then uh, get injured and, and and cannot perform to the level that I that I know that they're capable of. Um, but the, the 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 situation is is just that you need to to be very specific in in the way that you as a, as a performance coach work with the team that has to fit with what the coach actually wants on the field if if that is not molded if that's not not made specific to 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 fit then then you are going to end up with with problems because either either you're doing too much or too little or you're doing the wrong things um, and and it, it doesn't just go about the 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 actual make him faster, make him be able to run more. It also goes about the injury prevention, uh, the, the the prehab uh, kind of exercises that you do, the the regime that you have around it, the the amount of time that a player needs to spend with that. And obviously, the more intense the style is, the more specific you have to be with that. And and that is what what I have for myself always thought is is what you have to do, what you need to be very conscientious with 
to be successful. And it takes a lot of trust there. Like, it's, it's another thing that people don't always understand. Like the trust factor in what you're telling the coach versus like what they need to do, right? I mean, they, they have, there's always going to be some injuries, regardless of how well you baby these guys, there will be some sort of injury. But you are, are basically saying, hey, you know, we've got to pull this guy back a little bit because otherwise we might lose him for the rest of the season or like, you know, he'll pick up a thing or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, the coach is the one that makes those choices. And, and that relationship is hugely important. Absolutely. And, and, and you have to be aware of who you are and what your position is in, in, in this whole uh, decision-making process. Um, and, and, and the, the, the the best that you can do is is to to realize that you are not going to be able to prevent every injury that there is it is a, a sport like any other sport where you're trying to perform at the edge of what is possible and you need to do that which i think is rather unique in in football over a very long period of time and and you need to factor that in you need to accept that some injuries will happen and some injuries are not preventable. I don't remember a, a, a very nice quote. I, I think you were uh, put it out on Twitter at, uh, at some time that you can do your very, very best and, and, and make sure that he gets exactly the right amount of training. But the moment that this player leaves the door uh, from the performance center, it, it, he's out of your hands and, and you need to, to trust that he is not going to go somewhere and do something to completely muck it up. Sure, I, I often that, feel bad. That, that is players. real life. That can happen. Yeah, exactly. I often feel bad for players like that. You know, depending on their educational background, they won't necessarily know that much about how to take care of themselves outside of what they've learned. You know, plenty of say. Uh, third division or second division clubs like don't have the expertise or you know, the the oversight to like keep these kids in in great shape or like to teach them all the things that they might know about how to run themselves at the elite level it's one of the nice parts about being at Dortmund like you know there's a lot of help and and a lot of um you know education that happens with these players to their parents as well you know the the young players and stuff but yeah at the end of the day you know if they're going out and they're working with their own personal fitness trainer above and beyond what you've done they're probably going to break Right? Because you're already trying to stretch that limit, yeah. and that, and that is part of part of your job. You, you the, the, it's not just the buy-in that you that you need. It's 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 the explanation, the education that you need to bring uh, to these players that you need to give, um, and and it and it needs the the honesty. Um, they are all professionals working for themselves obviously working for their own career um it, it's for, for just about all of them it, it's a huge financial deal uh, of what happens so they're obviously their idea is obviously to do the best um but sometimes it needs to be guided and if you can be honest and say look if you want to go somewhere you want to do something let's coordinate it then normally you get a better buy-in a uh, better return than than if you're trying to go head to head well, and that, that's part of your your career path as well. Um, I I think that you one of the unique things about you you have an A license in coaching, correct? That is not quite correct. That is that is a a a, a myth. I, I don't know where it comes from. I'm sorry. Um, See, this is my research. It's lying to me here. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have I have been very careful to to 
to stay on the side of performance coaching I'd, as as much as i have interest in 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 the actual football side and I'd, i have learned over these years what different styles mean and, and and this is an educational process for myself as well because it helps me understand what i have to do and and how i can better apply my knowledge to, to what is supposed to happen on the field but I don't want to interfere with that side of football. I don't want I to totally understand and that avoids conflicts of be interest. making those decisions just for the fact that uh, I think we should be doing something differently. That is not my job, but I do 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 strive to understand it as best as I can, it, including including your field of speciality, the the the, the whole da- data side, which I find fascinating. So before um, we move to very that, helpful. I have one quick question. Do you have a favorite memory from that double season? There are uh, quite a few uh, that I have, and 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 just knowing at at the end of of that year where we win the double that that I'm going away with having finished this so successfully, and 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 for the first time being able to step back and go, my goodness. What has happened? That it's been four years, and what have I done? And 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 what have what have we been able to achieve by by working like this together? It it it, it felt like a fairy tale. I I still think it is, but it it's it's a wonderful story to be able to tell. All right. So for those of you just joining us on the on the live pod, we're here with Oliver Bartlett, uh, formerly of the German national team Borussia Dortmund. Next, we're going to move into the Red Bull period. Uh, so Red Bull Salzburg, you you go yes. from Dortmund, you make the leap to uh, to the energy drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what 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 prompted that, and 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 how did that transition happen? The the transition is is uh, is an, another leap of faith, uh, basically. Um, my wife is is Dutch, and we decided to move back to the Netherlands. And uh, I was not sure. I'd, I'd never done this before. I'd, I'd never transferred from one club to the other. I'd, it, it, this was a first, and and I uh, I was very happy that that the uh, former uh, head scout of of uh, Borussia Dortmund said. Um, there's a very interesting guy in in uh, his coach in, in Salzburg, and I think uh, he might uh, benefit from from the knowledge that you have of the style of football and the and the training. Um, and he's uh, an interesting guy, uh, and I and he's looking for somebody. Um, so. They they were nice enough and kind enough to to fly me down to to Salzburg and I and had a a very good meeting, um, not not really knowing a, a lot about him yet uh, other than that there were one or two headlines in the paper from the from the previous season but um, but just having a, a very good feeling of of the, the way that he could communicate what he wanted to do what he wanted to achieve football wise. Um, and and a, I have to say a, a very professional setting uh, provided by Red Bull. So I uh, I signed up, little knowing what was going to come. And what year did you start there? 
This was uh, from uh, 2013 to 2014, I was there. Right. And, and that season apparently went pretty well. <laughs> that went uh, beyond expectations. So I have to say to, to fill everybody in on this one, uh, won the league by 18 points. Like Salzburg were you know, not quite the powerhouse that we think of them, the perennial powerhouse that they are now. Uh, plus 75 goal difference in a small league, which is insane. The second team was plus 23. Um, but I think the moment that you guys really came to the attention of like the people that pay a lot of attention, I would say the football hipster world, uh, but also the gambling world, was there was this winter friendly against a small team named Bayern Munich. And that small team got the crap kicked out of them. And they were coached by some guy named... Josep Guardiola. <laughs> um, yes, that that was pretty interesting because you don't often see a Pep team lose three nil, even even in a friendly like that doesn't happen. No, that was a that was a, a very interesting uh, moment uh, where we were one or two weeks back into preseason training. That there's a fairly long break in in Austria, obviously for the winter. And Bayern Munich was one week out from returning to uh, to season, and this was basically their final their final test match um, before before playing again in the league. And obviously Salzburg being being close by Munich, and and uh, there being some relation between the the owner of Red Bull and and Bayern Munich. That, that's how this this game uh, came about. Um, and it's a really, really nice uh, feeling of, of being the underdog, but knowing that it is not quite as much the case as everybody else might be thinking. So going into a game knowing that that it might just be a little different than than uh, than than uh, is expected. And and that definitely happened. And and so like everybody perked up when that when that score came across, and you're like, wow, that's we should probably pay attention to these guys. And you know, if you worked in gambling, like you're probably paying a little more attention to Salzburg anyway, but that's a really unexpected result. But that, you know, it, it's not a one-off because you guys followed up with an absolute destruction of Ajax in the Europa League knockout stages. Yeah, it, it, the, the 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 quote I remember from the time from the from the Bayern Munich game was uh, Guardiola coming up and and uh, saying, "Thank you very much for this lesson." <laughs> and uh, that that was that was I think the 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 first step for him to 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 think about how to play against a team that is really trying to press the hell out of you, um, and and taking that serious and 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 thinking of of measures as to to be able to succeed against that, and then doing the same in the Euro League in in. Uh, here in Amsterdam, in in a in a in a in a big setting, uh, where I, I had the fortune of of uh, being able to to read the Dutch newspapers and the Dutch headlines and 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 hearing from my wife what was happening in 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 Amsterdam uh, at Ajax, whilst we were travelling as Salzburg to to Amsterdam to play them, and uh, that. That was a yeah. That was a fascinating game because there by that time we were quite confident that um, that that was something that we were going to win uh, as opposed to and, the, and the media, it was like six at the one time. right like the the whole, the two legged tie you guys won like scored three in each and then they scored one 
That's right. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty comprehensive, I would say. That that's comprehensive, and and for us it was it was very clear uh, from the analysis of of how Ajax was playing at the time that that was going to be somewhere around the result that that uh, was going to happen because because we had answers to any any possible situation that that was going to arise. Yeah, that style of play against that type of team that's like heavy prog- uh, possession, but also potentially wants to kind of man mark uh, in their press, which is, you know, the the Dutch style that was pretty common at that time in the elite style. Yeah. Um, so you've, we've got two pictures up here on the screen. One of them is you hugging. Is that Jonathan? Jonathan Soriano? That's, that's Jonathan Soriano. That's, that's the one thing one always has to remember, I should never forget, obviously that that team at Salzburg at the time was a really interesting combination and one has to maybe go back a little bit also to to uh, Rolf Rangnick and, and say the 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 fact that he was the sporting director at the time at at Salzburg obviously also makes a big difference because he had the ability to just go we're going to get this player we're going to get this player and we're going to get this player and and we had quite a we had a, a quantity of players out of which we were able to pick then players that were very suitable to what we wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, and they built um, an amazing pipeline. And and so the, the exactly, talent yeah. the talent that you had on that squad included Kevin Kampel, Jonathan Soriano, who who definitely could have played at the, the Champions League level in the bigs, but Fantastic somehow did player, not. Yeah. Uh, amazing uh, dead ball striker as well. You had some yeah. guy named Sadio Mane, is that correct? Yes, I'd, I'd, I, I understand that he's become quite a, quite a big player uh, in the Premier League. And who's this poor He's, bastard uh, in the in the cold pool right here in the on the pitch? That's Isaac Forza. <laughs> really, really nice guy. Um, but they're just yeah. This this was uh, at, uh, in the winter training camp uh, where we went. Um, but the 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 situation was was just that we had we managed to make it a great atmosphere, great buy-in from all the players. Um, Sadio, fantastic, fantastic person, uh, fantastic football player, and and making them all come together and and having them all at the level that they needed to be at to 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 physically be able to play what we wanted to play, and then seeing it work out like this, that, that was a, a fantastic year. And this is about um, the time that that you started to come across data people. Yes. Um, little, little did I know about this level of of data. As a, a world, in, uh, as I know it now, it was unknown to me at the time. Um, but I, I got contacted by by a gentleman named uh, Matthew Benham. I don't know whether that says anything to you. Yeah, I, I've heard uh, of him. <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, the, and very interesting, and, and and me realizing at the time, hey, there's there's something else going on here, and and. I want to learn more about this and know more about this and, and want to see how that can help us and how that can help me in, in my uh, area of expertise um, and, and just be very excited at, uh, at the fact that, that first of all, things like this, which, which might not be seen so quickly, were obviously uh, there were people out there who, were, who could see this and, 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 and were following this and, and then trying to go and, and find out how come they know this and how come they uh, they are interested in this. So that, that was very, very interesting, very exciting time. Yeah, and you've continued to be interested, and that's one of the reasons why we, we keep talking. Um, so 
you have the amazing season in Salzburg, and then that brings uh, Roger Schmidt and yourself to the attention of Bayer Leverkusen, uh, where you go and I think you finished fourth in the first season, and then third and and third in your Champions League group in fifteen sixteen in one of the weirdest sort of tables that I can remember seeing. <laughs> like, yes, yes. <laughs> Roma uh, the minus very, five. Very interesting two years there. <laughs> And then, and then, sixteen, seventeen. Um, you know, some things started to fall apart. We're going to skip over that uh, for various reasons. But it, I think, what happened in that that fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, seventeen? Like, we started talking pretty regularly, and we started talking about like the difficulties of recruiting players for a particular style. And I think that yeah. is actually like a great lead into the Leverkusen period, but especially into China, which is what came next. Exactly the the the, the it's. It, I find the, 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 the time I've spent in football fascinating because once you, you think you have learned something and, and achieved something, then, then you make another step and, and there's a whole new field to learn, a whole, whole new area of, of, of which you can uh, apply your, your empty mind to and, and go, I, I need to fill my brain with this and, 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 and learn more about this. And it's, uh, as we said, the players that that fit certain styles and and that that you want to have might not get or you get other players and how do you work around that that really then came together when we went to china where there are obviously some stipulations some rules in in the in the chinese league which which make that a, a very specific problem to 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 your day-to-day -day work yeah, so I played a little bit of attention to China prior to to your uh, moving there and Roger's moving there, and you know following it from afar and like the giant deals that are happening, everything like that. And what was really interesting was to see when you guys arrived. Basically, some a couple of the big clubs had uh, had been able to to get a jump on this and and kind of pulled up the drawbridge behind them. You want to fill me in or fill everybody else in a, a little bit on what you told me and and what Evergrande and, and Shanghai were able to do. It, uh, it when we came and and we said what what is the 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 possibility of of transferring players, obviously with the knowledge that we had. Uh, knowing that we needed certain style of players uh, and, and uh, certain physical uh, capabilities as well, which which is also something that that uh, I look at when I have the opportunity or I get asked, um, and it, I think it's still a, a field which which can be developed quite a bit more um, is is to say what is he capable of and and what are the physical limitations here what how do we how do we view this player from a physical side but also from from the style of playing and we found that actually all the good players and and if you look at the squads most of the national team players were actually in one club um and and the chinese market being very much a, a market of if the owner doesn't want to sell the player you're not going to get him so you had to start digging and looking for those maybe B-rated players or players that had uh, some kind of defect or, or were sidelined somewhere, and 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 try and 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 put together a, a squad where you had the idea that they might have potential to do what you actually want, even though they might not have fitted in the bigger picture of, of football as such. 
and you guys, general. so one of the things that seemed like a consistent thing with your career is you've often worked with younger players and been able to build their fitness and, and the coaches that you're with build their skill sets, et cetera. I think you told me, or I read somewhere else that um, just before the season that you guys moved, um, one of the, or two of the big clubs bought up like all of the best U23 players in China. And, yeah. then, <laughs> and then there were limitations on like whether those players could move and how many could go in and out per season, which... I don't want to say feels a little bit cheaty, but you know, it's not like you're on a level playing field here. <laughs> it it made it made a for us it made it made it a, a unique challenge because obviously every club was scrambling for uh, under twenty three players. Uh, and uh, interesting for for, me, for you guys, I'm, I'm sure, uh, because it, it 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 drives up the price insanely of under twenty three players because you needed four in your squad, you needed three. Uh, on the on the team, uh, and they had to be good enough to play. You needed to start one, and you and all three of them had to have playing minutes at the end of the game. Otherwise, you were defaulted uh, and and lost the game. Yeah, that's so. So <laughs> it, it became very interesting to, to 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 follow the different tactics of the different teams. Of apart from obviously from the one team that had all the top under twenty three players, what everybody else was doing and what what type of player they were getting and. Uh, which position they were playing them in and how many minutes that there would be the teams that, that would start with this one player and take him out after five minutes and then put an older player in and then and then try and change the other two at the, at the <laughs> other end of the game. So um, e- even so, so even with all kinds of tactics there, yeah. E- even with this, this playing field sort of slanted in the way that it is, uh, you guys had success. So like first season, appointed mid-season, finished ninth, um, I think one of the issues you definitely said was that guys were slow, and and obviously in in Roger's style of play. Oh, I I think you know we I talked about the Klopp thing and it's rock and roll football. I think that the Schmidt style of play, at least before or at the start of when you go there, that one's more heavy metal. Uh, you know, it's it's like a degree <laughs> above and beyond what you guys were doing at at Dortmund. And 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 the Chinese, unfortunately, at least in the the first season or something, cannot play heavy metal. No, and I, I, I like the musical comparisons because if there's two things you don't hear a, a lot in in the locker room or in the in the gym, is rock and roll or heavy metal. A lot of hip hop from, from from young players. <laughs> but but it, it's it's a very fair comparison, and um, the, the the interesting thing is that. Despite both of them being sort of pressing styles, physically uh, harder styles to play, there are big differences in 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 the philosophy and in in the way that it is applied on the field, but also in training. And that means that working for Jurgen Klopp was a, a very different experience than than working for Roger Schmidt. Uh, Roger Schmidt being very different in the way that he sets up training certain styles of training or certain exercises i should say um and that that means that the intensity for when we were playing was higher but we played that strategically more in spurts of high power high power high power make being smart in in using breaks being smart in using uh recovery periods and 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 making sure that as powerful as it looked it was always manageable so distances that you ran at high speed were shorter 
for sure than than uh, with Jurgen Klopp. So if you if, if you look at some of the the physical data of of what happened with teams with Jurgen Klopp with uh, to, to quote an irrelevant statistic, but to, to have an average of 120 kilometers for a team uh, run, we never achieved that with with Red Bull uh, or with Leverkusen. That the, the the total mileage that we put on the field was much lower. But there were certain key key things that we looked at in 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 game data and, and which we obviously trained towards uh, during the week um, that were much more interesting and, and that was the amount the the speed the energy that we put in for ball recovery for for moving forward obviously in in, in that moment of of possession gaining possession and so that, the... is, that is where we wanted to lead yeah, so you guys are changing the Chinese, but at the same time, the Chinese are changing like Roger's style and and a little bit about how you're um, sort of training and, and coaching the the players. And so, 2018, you guys finished fourth, but you win the Chinese Super League Cup, uh, which is a big deal. And then 2019, things are going gangbusters, and then football gets weird as it does. But tell me a little bit about how how the style and and the limitations you know, forced the change. And in some ways you've said, you know, you think it made Roger a better coach and also probably made you a, a better, better at your job as well. Yes. It was a, an opportunity for, 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 for us to understand that with the limitations that you have, it might be better to have a different style to fit to this. So if, if you're limited uh, due to the fact that that they have had no education, no career as such in in physical training, uh, growing up, that you're going to be way more limited in what you can do with them now as their adult players, um, and 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 also technical levels of 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 uh, clean passing, ball possession, etc. Um, but that that you need to to go okay. If that is the case, then what is our next best approach? Keeping an attacking style, which is obviously what we like and we think is most successful, but minimizing the problems that you have from uh, losing passes, losing possession, etc. So we we had the 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 idea that uh, Roger Schmidt had the idea that if if you have a lot of possession, but moving forward and try and keep that. Uh, going forward and keeping that high speed for ball recovery when you do lose uh, made us go from a team that very much like to have less than half uh, possession to to being a team that regularly had 70 80 percent possession um, i think but was still uh, still an attacking team yeah yeah and and it, it was really interesting to see the numbers change there uh, you guys yeah. were were one of the teams that i think um you and Atletico that broke uh, some statistics that we looked at were basically back at Leverkusen. You were one of only two teams ever, I think, to qualify for the Champions League that had like less than, uh, well, not ever, but in, in our data era, less than 50% possession. Um, and I guess the early early teams with Klopp also didn't necessarily have that much possession because that wasn't um, something that was super interesting to them. Um, so anyway, I don't, do you have like one good China story that, like, you know, is is something you can relate to everybody else? A, a good China story that I can tell. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just one that you can tell. That we're not anything. Gonna... <laughs> it it I, what I have to say that I I, I very much 
enjoyed and, 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 and the the atmosphere that we had at the stadium in Beijing and an old Mao uh, era uh, stadium, worker stadium, uh, aptly named, uh, and, and a stadium which was is still in the center of Beijing, um, and 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 having shops all around, people living all around, um, and and having a stadium in the middle of the city where everybody just walks in and and uh, and comes to the game and and having yeah a very high high number of of regular uh, people uh, coming to the game was was fantastic and I hadn't expected that for I don't know why but just hadn't expected that and 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 really uh, yeah enjoying that time uh, in China and and having learned something new again even though you 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 might have been going to a league where you thought it might not be the same level but but ending up learning new things and 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 uh, yeah, more experience in 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 football, which which uh, obviously is, is something that that I would like to take along and 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 apply for the next for my next step. Yeah, so you have like this amazing background, and you've met with success almost everywhere that you've been, and you've worked with some amazing talent. Like, what's next? That that is uh, is is something that I'm looking into right now. Obviously, uh, so the, are you a free uh, agent? Are you on a Bosman? I, I'm on a Bosman as as it is, um, and the, the 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 thing that like for for most of us uh, now that has has just made everything grind to a halt is is uh, obviously COVID. Um, it's is the the pandemic which has put everything on ice. Um, but I very much look look forward to to uh, wherever it takes me next because that is. That is actually what I'm looking for. What I, what I, uh, what is, what is going to be coming up somewhere down the line uh, to to see what it is. Um, interesting people that I've met along the line, and and uh, yeah, awesome. Interested to see where where it's going to take me because it's it's. it's I have to say uh, I haven't regretted a moment of of joining football and 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 going down this road well you have an amazing resume and i want to say thank you very much for taking the time um to talk to us and, and fill us in i know that i could talk to you about chinese stories if we were allowed for like another hour on top of this <laughs> yeah, it, it was obvious that i was not gonna <laughs> put any of those stories out online it's not my fault don't, don't blame me everybody um no so this is oliver bartlett uh has won the bundesliga has played uh has coached in the champion league has won the chinese superliga cup um finished second last year uh almost unusually um or at least you guys were in second when uh when football happened anyway he is a free agent right now um if you're interested in getting in touch with him how do they get in touch with you oliver you have an agent it's uh, very easy uh it's it obviously i'm i'm sure if, if they contact you they uh i'm your agent they will get they will no, get not. through to me and <laughs> otherwise uh i'm uh Easily uh, reachable uh, via email, which is just my name, oliver.bartlett at me.com. Awesome. And, uh, you, you'll find me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck on your next steps. And that wraps us for today's special guest star podcast on the Stats Bomb podcast. Uh, tune in on Tuesday at 3 p.m. UK time and you will listen to myself and James York blabble about whatever again. And uh, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.